Hey, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast, and in this episode, I'm sharing with you part one of a training we did in our Inner Circle Mastermind with Charlie Bella on how to build and grow a virtual team to scale your business. Now, in this podcast episode, Charlie and I talk about how do you decide what tasks you should hire somebody for? We just talk about where to look for these actual hires and how to hire them. We also talk about should you post a job or should you actually go away and look for the talent and when should you do either of those. Then we talk about how you should vet somebody that you're looking at hiring and then what type of probation period, if so, and how long would you use when hiring somebody. And the first part of this episode is really about how to build that team and everything that encompasses that. Now, this is such a valuable episode. You guys are going to absolutely love it. If you own an online business, or you're thinking about owning online business and you don't want to have to work in that business forever, make sure you learn how to go away and build a team so you can scale your business by listening to this podcast episode. Enjoy. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish. So from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you want to start investing in websites but don't want to drop $20,000 or more on your first investment? Check out Odis, where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odis done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.link forward slash Bob podcast to check out their great deals. That's odys.link forward slash B-O-B podcast. Link will be in the description too. All right, Charlie, thanks for coming on. My absolute pleasure, Jared. Thank you for having me. We've had countless conversations, obviously just yourself and myself, but a lot publicly and always great feedback. So I'm really excited to have you on here and talk about building a team. So instead of like just beating around the bush, which a lot of podcasters do, no offense, let's get stuck in. How about we talk about building some team? Let's offend some people. Most podcasts suck. I'll tell you right now. I'm thinking <laughs> backstories and random comments, like get to the good stuff. So uh, team, I'm thrilled to come and talk about this topic. I will set some context though. It's like, well, why should anyone even listen to me about team? It's like, you know, there's a lot of people out there that will talk the talk, but when it comes to walking the walk, can they really back it up? My apologies. Let me stop you there. I should have mentioned to everybody listening is that Charlie built quite a substantial company called Outsourcing Angel, which is he built a team within building, helping other people build a team. So outsourcing angels and it's gone on. And before that, you had another business. You had a big, big team as well, Charlie. And now you've got quite a, a big team with your company, Valor Media. And sometimes I forget how much that you actually know <laughs> and forget to share that sort of stuff. So, old. I'm looking at my hairline here going, shit. Oh, no. 
<laughs> so Charlie's got the chops. If there was anyone to ever ask about how to build a team, it would be Charlie. And that's why I wanted to get you on. So Charlie, like how do we actually know or decide what tasks to hire for? It's a really good question. We'll start there. I think this is where most people make the major mistake with hiring. They either, either haven't thought through properly what to hire for or haven't done the maths on what the return would be on that hire. Mm. I think these are two major things that come to term or come to light. And to give you some context, I used to do a lot of sales calls for outsourcing angel. I used to sit on the call and go through people and I would say like, well, what are you looking to hire someone for? Like, how are you planning on using them? And it was kind of a filtering to understand, well, should they actually hire? Is this going to be a good idea? Or am I watching someone make a bad decision and really they're going to fire this person in three months because they haven't thought it through? Mm-hmm. Now, I'll highlight a few things in here that's really interesting from my point of view. Most of the time when I saw someone let a team member go or actually not go through with a hire, what would happen is they realized as they were going through this journey that they hadn't planned it out very well and it was actually the business owner letting down the new hire. A lack of talent was almost rare. So more often than not, there was someone skilled that could do tasks, but the business owner themselves hadn't really thought it through or taken enough responsibility on how they were going to use this person. So that was my really, really big insight. Now, to answer your question more directly then about like how do we decide the tasks or, or where we place this in a business, I look at this in a really interesting way. My favorite hire, even to this day, is when I can hire someone that's going to give me more free time. Like whenever I can upgrade the value of my own time, I think that's the biggest win. And that should be where we all look as a default. It's like, well, if I'm spending 10 hours a week on email, if I hired someone who just did that, what would that be worth to me? That's my first point of view. The second side of things though, and this has become more relevant to me in recent times, I I run a big media company called Vela Media. I can't, any podcasts, any videos, any images, like I have no creative skills. So the hiring arm of this business is really developed around skills that I don't have. So the mix of those two is where you should be looking. I have a really uh, firm belief that within a business, everyone has like a zone of genius or thing they should really be spending most of their time on. And every time you rob someone of those hours, the business ends up in a worse state for it. So that's how I think about it. Wow. So a combination of tasks that aren't your genius or your genius self or you're not best suited to, and then how do you alleviate some of your time so you can spend more time on those those genius tasks? Absolutely. Yeah, cool. And I want to come back to what you said earlier about the talent being there, but the business owner letting that talent down. We'll talk about that more in SOPs because I feel that might be a better fit. But where do we, you know, once we go, all right, we know what we want to hire for now. For example, say, I'm no good at editing a podcast or a YouTube video or writing show notes and all these all these things that I'm like you. I got no idea what to do or how to do it. Once we know what we need to hire for, where do we go to look? Like well, there's so many places now that you can go away and hire people. So we've got the I would call them kind of like a marketplace where You've got like Upwork.com and Fiverr and OnlineJobs.ph and all these different places you can go and hire people from for yourself. Then you've also got like agencies like Outsourcing Angels. What's the difference between them and where would you suggest people go away and look and why? Great question. I'll bring in some things that may not be brought under consideration Something I've really come to terms with is a hiring process is the same, whether it's someone that's in the next room for you or locally, 
versus if you're hiring overseas or trying to work with that. The things I would really look at is a number one is, is this something that has to be done in person or can it be done offshore? That's a really big decision to make straight up. And more and more with the development of virtual tools and even what we're doing now, the need to be in the same room as someone is declining massively. I accept you're probably not going to virtually get your hair cut like, or virtually go to a restaurant. Those areas are obviously very different. But in the spheres we play predominantly in this group here, Jared, is like it's a lot of online opportunities. So best fit is more important than proximity. Yeah. Second to that, something that I take very seriously, I, I made some huge mistakes very early on in my first business. I had this view where it's like, well, people don't need to be online in the same time zone I'm in line. Like, wouldn't it be great if people are getting all this work done overnight while I'm, you know, in bed tucked away, you know, my business working for me? And I, I didn't appreciate something of like being able to communicate well with people in the same time zone. So I would say a huge factor for people is making sure that when you're hiring talent, are they going to be available to communicate and work on projects when you are? So for example, if you're in Australia, like I am, like the Philippines for an offshore option becomes great because of the crossover in time zone, where if I'm, let's say, hiring someone in India, unless they want to get up really early, which is becoming more rare, for them, they're not really going to be coming online until like three o'clock in the afternoon for me. So what would happen is I would hire a developer in India, let's say, be very talented with my poor communication skills though. I'd be like waiting for them to come on, then hammer them from three till five. And then I would go to bed and repeat the process daily. So the second thing I would look at is time zone appreciation. I think every country now has different advantages. Like I know the US is using Mexico more and more. I know that the UK and Europe has got a lot of advantaged places in different parts of Europe or Eastern Europe countries. And then Australia, as I mentioned, with the Philippines. So I'd look to those types of locations. The next thing you mentioned there is the idea of are we going for something which is like a, a marketplace or like a gig economy, so to speak. Mm -hmm. I think my view is really interesting on this. My preference is always to hire someone full-time. And that's my opinion. And the view on that is that when I hire full people full-time, I'm going to train and build this asset. And then I'm going to get rewarded with all the goods that are going to come with it. When we have someone part-time, if I'm investing in that person or whoever the other part-time person is, is yielding the fruits of my investment in training and team. So I'm very big on the idea that when I hire someone, like I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to make you awesome at whatever you do. It's how I think about it. Mm. We buy training, we do uh, coaching groups, we'll hire professionals like what we're doing now to make sure that everyone within that has access to be the best at what they want to do. I think you can get some great gains out of investing in your team with that type of methodology. Marketplaces specifically, I really like Online Jobs PH. I think it's awesome. And then I really like what used to be, I'm trying to remember it, was that massive freelancer that got renamed? I think it's called yeah, Upwork yeah. now? Yeah, Upwork. Yeah, it was another great one from there. So that would be my two, apart from local ones, if that's for you. Yeah, I've had that problem before with one of my businesses where I had somebody working in India and would come on and do the customer services and check in the afternoon, evening, my time and send me a message in the evening of a complex problem that needed to be solved really, really like straight away. And I'm like, my brain is like cooked. Like I'm, I'm, I work better in the morning <laughs> and I can't solve it and not be frustrated with the problem and be a good support person in that role, which I, I guess is what you're alluding to is like 
being able to be there for support, especially through the initial training period for somebody is, is critical, right? Like to be able to help them understand the brand, understand the way we do things, even just these little minute questions that we may feel like they're not that important, but they add up to being, you know, the compounding effect of them having the answers swiftly and without my frustration put into like, just do this that way. And, you know, let's just try and like, put this fire out rather than make it a really good evergreen organic approach for how do we solve this problem if it happens again next time. <laughs> so I've noticed the struggles myself personally with hiring at different time zones. So for somebody, you mentioned you'd like to hire somebody and make sure they're full-time. Say somebody is new to this space and they've just bought a website business and they don't have the ability for the business size that they have to hire somebody full-time. What would your recommendations be in, in how you would hire somebody? Oh, I'm going to say some possibly very, very controversial and crippling Ooh, things. Like it. Um, I completely accept that for a lot of people, when you get started in buying websites and website businesses is that you know this is a side hustle type thing really is and like it's not something with massive budgets or room or hiring departments or HR. So it can be really difficult. I would say that for some things, you will just want to contract out. So for example, when you're in those beginning stages, you might go, look, I don't want to hire someone full time for SEO. I'm going to use an SEO agency and prefer to pay a set fee per month to get a level of expertise from a company. Mm. So in those early stages, I think set services that are really specific, so for example, SEO or writing tasks, I think are great. But when it comes to things that you're going to want like support within your business or potentially bigger roles, you're better off making a long-term view and a long-term investment on bringing someone on who can grow with the website business. So, for example, and I'll use some examples here, when I had way back in the day, I had a marketing agency and this software come out called ClickFunnels. Now, you might have heard of it. We thought it was going to be a big deal back then. So, we decided we had someone on our team who was a developer. Now, they were the most enthusiastic developer you've ever met. They loved it. One big problem, terrible at developing. So, we had someone who was enthusiastic, on time, great attitude, but just sucked at developing. So what we did is we actually said to this person, right, for the next two months, all I want you to do is just learn everything about ClickFunnels. Just rebuild every page I send you, try things, press every button. And then two months later, as we'd invested that in that person, and then they developed a really strong skill set in ClickFunnels. Mm. They went on to become one of the most valuable assets to the company because we were one of the few in the earlier days of this where we could build funnels really quick because we had one guy that was great at it. But that never would have happened if we hadn't invested the time and the training into the team we had. So there are some wins when you think about it. So within your own business, if you're someone who's listening to this, if you have a look and go, you know, if I had someone full-time in my business that was awesome at this, what would it look like? What could it be? And start thinking about that from a more long-term approach rather than what's the cheapest contractor I can get to get this job done right now who I'll probably never see again it will do a great job, but then I go through all the hassle of trying to hire someone who can do it again, or they do a shit job and then I have to rehire someone. Like, I don't like that game. I think it's a habit that gets embedded in us in the bootstrapping days of just trying to become profitable that ends up being the absolute crutch for us later on. The only reason I have a successful company today is not because of me, it's because I have a great team. Mm. The team carry it. And as you progress into the later stages, you realize and become more ingrained in that idea and you see what an advantage it is. Yeah, it's my qualm with 
fiber is that an operator can use fiber for odd jobs, but they continually need to go away and find another person for the next job, another person for the next job, rather than hiring somebody who is a designer and it could be an image designer or whatever, instead of like, oh, I just need to hire somebody to change my logo or I just need to hire somebody to like make my website look a bit better and and design some images every now and then. I think having to rehire and repost jobs and refine people, I think people forget how much work is actually involved in that and it can be a massive time suck. And then we we build this mentality or this mindset around if I need a job done, I just go away and hire per each individual job each time that I need it done, which is which is scary for a time, being a time suck. And when you do come to the conclusion, like, I'm going to hire somebody, say for those people that aren't going to go through the agency uh, route of hiring somebody part-time, say they want to you know, find somebody full-time, what do you do? Do you go away and post a job or do you go away and look for that talent? So for example, say you do need a developer, would you go away and post a job to find a developer and see who sort of applies for that job and then filter? Or would you go away and find a short list of great developers based off their reviews and, and recommendations and work they've done? It's a great question. I'll start at my step one. Whenever I'm going to hire someone new, the first thing is like my business should be presenting symptoms that I need to hire. Mm. Yeah, I don't just guess, oh, I feel like hiring. So for example, if that we're not finishing things on time, if I'm suddenly working more hours in the day, if team aren't completing their tasks, like if you are starting to see slower turnaround times or anything within your business that recognizes, hey, capacity's high, or I mean, sorry, capacity's low here and we really need to hire someone, like we're looking for the symptoms first. We're looking for the understanding of, okay, what's the market here on like we need to hire someone. Mm. The second thing I do is I go, well, if I was to hire someone for what I'm looking at right now within my business, what would be the ROI on that person when they're trained and at capacity? So sometimes we can end up in situations where we want to hire someone, we've got these annoying things, but really it's not a good hire. Mm. Really what would be better to is to use a contractor to fix up a problem and then we don't have to deal with it again. Hiring for that role would be a bad idea. But I like to do the mental maths and we'll use the developer here. It's like, well, if I was going to bring a developer in my business and it was going to free me up for five hours a week, if I use that five hours for high value time, what would come from that? Or if it freed someone else up on my team or even direct revenue lines. So that's my my step one. My step two after that is that I go, okay, well, I get out, uh, literally I'll find a clear weekly calendar. So I, I call this, a, if I hired this person, how would they spend their time per week? And I look at it and I'll actually like map out, okay, well, Monday between 9 and 12, they're doing this. Between 12 and 5, they're doing this. And I'll see if within what I'm thinking about already, like how much time do I have already ready for this person to go? Mm. Just as a little hint, hint, nudge, nudge, I use this when I do the job interview. I go, this is what I need you to do every week. Can you meet this expectation? Mm. It's a really good tool for helping someone understand how to win within your company. What the job actually looks like as well, like showing people really is so valuable instead of just telling them. What becomes even more valuable throughout this is like so many people write terrible job ads and it's because they're not clear on what they need done mm. and how much of it or what skills. But if you've done this exercise before, you already know, well, one, is it going to be a good use of capital to do this? Will there be a good ROI in hiring this person? Like you've done that maths. 
And then secondary to that, you can just look at your calendar sheet and, well, I need someone with these skills. And I just take those skills and I use them in the job ad. I'll say, you must be able to do these things. And then, of course, the things that might come with that. So can they code, strain time zone, internet speeds, all things that would come from a developer role that I might be hiring. So that's the general premise of the start of things. I think it's really important these days with hiring, like uh, even to this day, like we are constantly hiring at the moment. People mm-hmm. lie a lot. I think job test tasks are really important as well. Yeah, I agree. Like like I say to people in the mastermind, it's like having a probation period before, like if a probation period after you give them test jobs. So like uh, I might've said to you, Jeff, or you art, or maybe forget who I was talking to about it, is that just get them to try one article, right? If you're going to get a content creator, get them to try one article or two articles and then have two or three people do that and test them against each other and pick the winner, which is a good way to, in my opinion, a, a one way to vet people and then have them on a probation period and see how they they work. Because in the initial phase, the, the first sort of piece of work that they're going to do they're going to try their best and they're going to put a lot more effort and time and energy into it. After, you know, two or three months, you'll really start to see if they they continue to shine or they were just putting it on. So that's the next thing I want to ask you is like, what are some of the strategies that you use to vet people? Once you've like either put out a job or if you look for the talent and look for the, those skills that you're after and your communication is clear and they understand what the job entails, because a lot of entrepreneurs are just guessing. <laughs> What is, what's the vetting process from there? Okay, so I'll go through it more deeply here. So let's pretend you craft a job ad based on what we mentioned before. You've created this weekly calendar of like, these are your responsibilities and skills you're going to need to complete. You've written your job ad, then what? So this is my favorite way of doing it at the moment. I won't claim that I came up with this. A good friend of mine who I work with, Grant, he, this is his methodology that he's recently uh, enlightened me to, but I, I love it so much that I'll share it here. Is number one is we all he always has brought in and I now endorse. I should say is within the job ad we actually put a link to a form someone has to fill out. So when they apply for a job, it's not just them sending a resume through with a, a cover letter. Is we want them to ask. We want to ask them specific questions and have them articulate themselves on application. Right. One of the best ways to filter people out is that if you ask them to fill out a form and they're just putting in one-word answers or crappy answers, well, they're not going to make it through to the next phase. So great filtering tool is to have a questionnaire ready so they apply for the job, they go through the questions you want to ask them, I think is a really strong uh, thing from there. The next part of that is at the end of the questionnaire, if we like someone, we send them the test task before we do an interview. And I'll give you some really good examples. Designers would have them design something. Writers, you would have them write something. But some more interesting ones I've liked in recent times, if you're going for like managerial roles, we'll do like transcribing a video, things that need high level of detail and speed. And then what we're looking for is how long it takes someone to get that task back to us, how well they communicate through that process. Things like that become really important. Mm. Recent one as well is we're hiring someone for a Facebook ads position. And we would give them websites and say, who would you target for this? Mm. What ad creative would you use for this? Things that would just highlight that they know what they're doing or not. The test task should be as close to the job they're actually going to be doing or something that would demonstrate expertise in that. Mm. From there, if we like someone, we have them come in for an interview. Interview, we're looking for things. uh, We do video, definitely video interviews. And we want to know things like how they prepare themselves like looks. 
like if someone comes on the call and they haven't done their hair and they look like they're still in their pajamas and the room's a mess and there's crap everywhere, it's like, well, I don't think you've really put any effort in. Like there's a lack of care towards mm. this. So we like presentation things. Two is how they communicate. Like I love to ask a pointy question. Something like, well, how much did you make at your last job? Did you get fired or were you let go? Like how, how does it, like really, really pointy questions that would have someone, you know, squirm a little bit in there. For sure. When's the last time you slept with your wife or husband? <laughs> well, then you can ask that, but it's just an example of, you know, something that might have someone. How they handle it as well, right? Completely. Yeah, good. That's great. So then you go through the interview process and I guess that all those little tests, the people that end up going through and filling out the form, maybe even they do the job before they even have the interview just to rock up and show like, hey, this is what I've done. What do you think? And then they present well in the interview. Those people that are going to win are going to get hired. So once you've hired them, what's it look like from there? Do you go away and have a probation period? If so, how long for and why? In all the time I've hired and also seen in the companies we've hired, I've never seen someone suddenly get better after two months, ever. Never happened. It's not like they come good. I like, and I'm, if anyone can show me an example, I'd love to see it. <laughs> but I would say uh, uh, someone can fake the first couple of weeks in enthusiasm and like, you know, just like people can go to the gym for a couple of weeks before they give up on it. But try and fake two months is a really hard thing. And I would go as far to say is that at the end of a, a month, you can normally spot those that aren't going to make them or make it. So my general view is I'll give someone a month trial and then I'll see after that if they'll be able to progress through. And like I'll tell someone, it's look, hey, you're just not a right fit. I don't want to waste anyone's time. I think that when you lead someone on to think they're going to be a great fit at this company, when they're not, it's damaging to them and you. So it's a, a two-way loss. And it's like there's a job that's right for them in something they're skilled at. Like they should go do that job. And hiring people that aren't a fit only just drains your company makes you bloated and slow. Now, I've noticed that you've hired people or you, we've talked about this where you've hired people for one job and they, because you've got such a big team, you've realized like, you know, where we needed somebody to pick up the slack or, you know, do some other tasks, they ended up really being quite good at that sort of tasks. What's the dynamic there? Like when you hire somebody for one job and you realize, well, they're actually better at this other thing that I got them to do just because, for example, I asked them to do some writing and then I was like, look, I don't really have time to make an image or whatever it is. And you realize that they're a better designer than they are a writer. What what would you do in that instance? Would you just test them out and see, you know, keep them going and writing articles, but leaning into designing whilst you look at hiring somebody else for the writing who's better? Is that a way to upskill your team? And what do you do in that sort of situation? This is kind of like a reverse conversation now. A lot of everything's been on like, how do we get someone good? Mm. And none of it's been on how do we keep good people? Yeah. Which is a huge challenge. What I'll say right now is that how you manage people and look after them and makes a massive difference in if they stay with you or not. I think a big reason that people leave a company is just there's no progression. So it's like they might be in and they're a, a designer, but it's like, is the rest of their life going to be making social media images? That might not be what they want for them. And you know, eventually a, a point builds up where they go, do you know what? My dream is to be a dancer and they leave. Yep. So I look at it and go, and this, the weirdest thing is I've had some very unusual people come to me and say that they want to do something that's nearly a direct opposite. And they've ended up amazing at it. 
just because mm. I'm there. And I wouldn't necessarily say encourage people to go, all right, get everyone on your team to like try the opposite thing. Wouldn't encourage that at all. But I've had developers <laughs> that uh, have said to me, look, I really want to be a video editor. And they've swapped and they're amazing. And a lot of the technical NAS and thinking that went into development and design and all of that has just gone straight across. It's just a new tool. I've had writers become great managers where it's like they've been writing, they understand their craft really well, and then they eventually move into managing a podcast. Like it's not unusual for that to happen at all within my organization. Uh, Conversely, I've had people try things and it hasn't worked out and they've gone back. They go, look, I thought this was going to be something else. I've realized that it isn't. And then they've, they've been happier in their skill set. So if my encouragement is that if a team member comes to you and says, look, it's something they really want to have a go, let them have a go, encourage it. Because the rewards of that can be huge if it turns out well. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So what are some of the other ways that or other things that you can do to help keep keep people in the job? I remember in my sales team that I had years ago is like I would always sit down with them and go like, what do you actually really want in your life or how do you want your life to look? And I would go through and plan out their days for them and, and help them like find time and help them find time for work, time for the things that they loved. And then even going through their budget and their finances of like helping them put more money into things that were going to give them more fulfillment and then just really help them have a better life. And that helped me with my sales team and to help them perform better because they could really see that I did just care about their performance yeah, at work. Uh, I could cared about like how their life was as well. And that ended up being better for not just for the business, but for them too. And that really helped people stay longer. So what are some of the like things that you've used? And I know it may be a bit different with VAs and people working in a different country and whatnot, but are there some, some things that you use to keep them? I think there's some that are universally true across everything. And I'll say right now that this is this seems so almost like common sense, right? Everyone that's on this call or hears this podcast will go, of course, yeah, you'll be surprised how often this doesn't happen. Mm. Many of the people we hire onshore and offshore haven't been paid on time or correctly. I'm like, if you've made an agreement with your team that you're going to pay them an amount and it's going to be on these dates and you continually break that agreement, I can assure you that over time they don't forget that and that you've actually make it okay to break important agreements. And I go, that is just a recipe for disaster and a slippery slope. So for myself, like I'll pay my team before I pay myself. Like there's, there's never a negotiable and I always keep really good buffers so that conversation never comes up. I've had people come to me and like beg for a salary in advance because they didn't get paid for a month at their last job. And it's like, it's heartbreaking to hear that. So if you make an agreement with them, regardless of outcomes, you keep your end of it. Like you always got to keep your end of it. If you come across as an employer that doesn't keep your agreements with your team, then that is a huge thing that would have people leave. The next thing is training and guidance and accountability. So these are a kind of a three-in-one I'll put through here. And I'll say this right now is like, it, this probably relays best to sport, but do you know how enjoyable it is to be the winning team? Like how much fun it is to just go out there and crush it and win championships? Like, can you imagine how good it would have been to be in the Chicago Bulls on, on the run of championships? Yeah, I can yeah. assure you a lot more fun than the team who finished last every year. Yeah. So... What I look at in this is that you need to set your team up to win. So every person in your company should know how to be great at their job and how to win in the eyes of you so that they can rock up and be that championship player every week. I think a lot of people are just left to their own accord and like they don't necessarily get that engagement or involvement or know how to win and just ultimately end up disappointed and hate the frustration of not knowing what to do, not being guided, not knowing how to win. Like no one wants to suck at their job. I've never met anyone. 
I've never hired anyone who's coming to a company and gone, look, my goal is to be average at this. <laughs> going to flow through. Normally, they will not know how to do something, not understand how to win, and then ultimately end up in this void of just collecting a paycheck. That's it for part one of this episode with Charlie Valor. Now, you can find out more about Charlie and what he does at valormedia.com. In part two of this training, Charlie talks about how do you actually write a system before hiring somebody and how do you teach that person to do great work? And we talk about how do you actually pay them? Do you pay per performance, per job, hourly, or why? And then we still also really talk about what should you hire for and what should you not hire for? Then we talk about how to shadow someone when hiring and how much should you know about a specific task before hiring somebody for that actual role? Should you know everything? Should you know a little bit? Or is it okay to know nothing? And when should you know nothing? And when should you know a lot before hiring somebody? And then we talk about how do you actually go away and assess somebody's work and how they're performing if you don't know how to do the work yourself? And huge hint here, guys, it's in measuring the right thing. And most people don't know what to measure. So that's it. That's the end of the podcast episode. That's part two. There's so much value in there. And we chat also about the members' questions within the actual mastermind too. So guys, if you want to get access to part two or any of our other trainings in the inner circle, you can join the inner circle by going to buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash inner circle. That's buyingonlinebusinesses.co forward slash inner circle.